Blog Talk Radio. It's the Jenny Hatch Show at Blogging Mothers Magazine. My special guest today is Dr. Leonard Horowitz, who will be chiming in on the Ob- Ebola outbreak. Len, welcome to the show. Hi there, Jenny. Thanks for joining us and inviting me. Oh, so glad to have you on the show today. Len, could you tell my listeners about your book on Ebola? Well, yeah, sure. In 1996, I came out with the book Emerging Viruses, AIDS and Ebola, subtitled Nature, Accident, or Intentional, and left readers with having to decide. I just laid out all the evidence. It's like a 550-page book, and it lays all the scientific evidence out on the origin of the man-made viruses, the recombinants that were being produced during the 1960s and early 1970s, including the AIDS-like and the Ebola-like viruses. So I, by the grace of God, and I know that you're a very godly, spirit-filled person and appreciate this, and I know that unfortunately sometimes we speak to people who haven't had the blessing of experiencing the glory and power of our Creator and, and Jesus and Yeshua and and. I was literally directed. I'm telling you, it was a miracle what happened because I thought I was done the investigation when I was looking for a congressional record. The last document I needed in a 550-page book, you can imagine after three years working 16 hours a day, almost seven days a week, I was thrilled to think I'm going to get my last document. So I proudly marched down to the government documents office in the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill Davis Library, and as I'm following a librarian, suddenly I swear it is real, it's true. I was put into this, like, altered state. It it was a time-space warp where I heard an angel or the voice of God, and I don't know which, but it was as loud as my voice right now, and it said, stop, and I stopped. And it said, turn right. And I said, well, okay, turn right. And I turned right. And then I had a problem because I had this huge librarian that I was following starting to get angry with me because I'm now starting to walk towards the government-secured zone within the library basement. I'm not supposed to go there. It was a classified section of government documents. And the voice in me says, keep walking. And the guy starts to scream at me. He says, hey, that's not where your congressional record is. It's over here. And the voice inside me said, you just keep walking. Don't mind him. So I said, don't mind me. Don't mind me. I'm just going to have a look over here. And he's now even more angry. He says, no, 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 that's not how you do research. So he gets into this little argument. Now I'm still walking. The voice inside me says, keep walking. And it was as though it was a twilight zone. I'm telling you, it was like time, space etheric and i'm walking and the voice is very clear very loud it says uh keep walking and i walk and he says okay i'm gonna this guy says okay i'm gonna now i'll get your congressional record very very angrily so i'm now walking and this voice says stop it's a slow stop it's, it's, i stop it says turn left i turn left it says walk i walk again and it's dead about no oh, 20 seconds, 30 seconds later, it says, stop, look down, left, knee high. And I stopped, and I looked down, left, knee high, and the words, special virus cancer program, among thousands of books, flew up in my face, in my eyes, special virus cancer program. 
And those are the words I had seen repeatedly when you were tracking the science of virology in the early days. You look for government grants. The researchers and the scientists always acknowledged their funding sources for what they were doing. And I'm looking at the AIDS virus chief, the guy who allegedly discovered the AIDS virus in 1982. His name is Robert Gallo. And I look at that and I, I say, whoa. And I yelled out across this very large basement, uh, library basement to this guy who's looking for my congressional record. I said, I think I found what I'm looking for. And I'm still in this kind of like trance state, I'm telling you. And I picked up the book. I happened to open it. There's, it was about 375-page big volume. I open it to the number one page where it begins, Litton Bionetics Report to the National Cancer Institute. That was the company, Litton Bionetics, that Dr. Gallo had worked worked for and worked with, co-published with, all of the top virologists who were involved in immune suppressive viruses were engaged in the Litton Bionetics contracts. And this was the volume, actually, that was the internal memo that had been censored. It had been concealed from the public. It still is concealed from the public. It contains in it all of the uh, intramural contracts between the different departments of hundreds of laboratories and universities that were working at the time for a cure for cancer purportedly now when you have when you're working for a vaccine and that's in the in the news today when you're looking for a vaccine you for cancer or Ebola or AIDS you have to start with the, the bug the germ the virus that's causing it and so these studies detailed how they were getting the viruses. They were creating the viruses. They were mutating the viruses, hybridizing them, recombining them from various animals, from chickens and from dogs and cats. Cat leukemia was taken, for example, and Don Francis with the CDC, he was a pretty bright guy. He comes out early on in the AIDS epidemic and says, you know, this looks exactly like, oh, it's got all the symptoms of cat leukemia. Well, gee whiz, that's exactly what they produced. They produced recombinants that produced the highly unique, never-before-seen leukemia, lymphoma, sarcoma, cancer complex that never existed on planet Earth from the, before the time they put it together in the labs. So at any rate, that's what, how, I, how I got to this point of then finding the contracts under which numerous AIDS-like and Ebola-like viruses were bioengineered by Litton Bionetics, that was the, the Army's, the United States military's sixth top biological weapons contracting lab. And they worked under contract 71-2059. There were two major contracts that are the smoking guns. One is uh, the NIH 71-2025 to Litton, and it was called Investigations of Viral Carcinogenesis in Primates, and Human Beings are Primates, and Chimpanzees are Primates, and that's basically who got the first experimental vaccines and doses of these viruses. And then uh, you've got also the Merck Pharmaceutical Company, which has been consistently the leading, one of the leading vaccine producers 
and the president, Mr. Merck himself, George W. Merck, was director of America's biological weapons industry uh, at the time that he actually, his company, received the lion's share of the Nazi war chest uh, from World War II's Germany. And you've got a lot of a lot of bad political information. I mean, it's like really disturbing to realize that you know you've got. Nazis and neo-Nazis engaged in biological weapons research and development, working for the federal government of the United States. And at any rate, they produced then the vaccines. They produced the hepatitis B vaccine that was given to gay men in New York City. Uh, and that first was the cause of the AIDS pandemic breaking out. The first case came out in 1976, and a, a gay man, Gaten Dugas, who was a flight attendant, and of course Dr. Gallo chimed in to conceal his own complicity in the genocide. He came out and said, "Well, it's obviously African green monkeys brought this in, and in fact, it was chimpanzees from Lytton Bionetics, his colleagues, that had brought it in. Not in 1982 when he allegedly discovered it, but they actually brought it in around 1969, 1970-71, and they were testing it in the hepatitis B vaccine to the gay men and blacks in Central Africa in 1974." And then the same same sort of situation, when I was looking through the Lytton contracts, you could find the mother of Ebola. You could go into the scientific literature, as I did, and you could go to the first outbreak of Ebola, which was 1976, the Ebola Zaire that's currently circulating in Liberia and uh, Sierra Leone and West Africa, that that virus is got to have been stored in a refrigerator. It didn't come out of fruit bats, as we're being told by CDC. And that the uh, reason for that statement is because of two things. One is we've got the smoking gun in the Lytton contract that shows that the grandmother of Ebola was rhabdovirus simian. It was a rabies, rhabdovirus, a rabies virus that ran in monkeys, that they cultured in monkeys, and they recombined. And it caused this kind of Ebola immune system crashing that we see with the Ebola virus. And so we've not only got the contract, Lytton's contract, that shows that they were distributing that, they created that, mutated it, and then cultured it, and then distributed it for testing. But they also, the other smoking gun is that, the mother of Ebola, the first real outbreak of anything that the world has ever seen insofar as this kind of immune ravaging virus, came out in 1967. And that, again, if you look at the Merck's contracts, right around that time is when they shipped the animals because they had the animal supply contract as well. And I published that in the book, Emerging Viruses, where you see Lytton's contract as the overseer for the National Cancer Institute. They supplied all of the monkeys, all of the uh, animals that were being used for testing, the, uh, uh, particularly the African varieties, the African greens. They supplied all the viruses, the cell lines that were needed to grow the viruses. All of the supplies that were needed was an inside private contract to Lytton Industries President Roy Ash from Henry Kissinger in the White House. The two were in the Nixon White House together, and the, the deal was struck. Nixon uh, actually 
made Kissinger national security advisor overseeing CIA, FBI, and foreign policy. And it was Kissinger who selected the option to develop these types of biological weapons when he took over. And uh, he actually, the record shows very clearly, he ordered the Navy Admiral Zumwalt, Dr. Uh, Mr. Sumwalt, which is an interesting name, it means in German, to uh, the world, to, to Zumwalt. So we're going to go to the world now. Uh, Admiral Zumwalt comes back, gives Kissinger the reassessment of America's biological weapons capabilities to take to the world, and Kissinger does. He selects the option to develop the AIDS-like viruses and the Ebola-like viruses, and this contract, 71225, went from his White House colleague Roy Ash to Roy Ash's company that were operating in Central Africa, uh, in Zaire, Congo. They were operating uh, also uh, supplying the American labs, such as Reston, Virginia, where you had a, another Reston virus that was very similar to the Ebola outbreak. And they supplied the vaccine production labs in 1967 uh, in Belgrade, Yugoslavia, Frankfurt, Germany, and Marburg, Germany, where the Marburg virus got its name. That's the mother of Ebola. And if you start to research what was happening at the time within the scientific world, the scientific conferences that were discussing these horrible things, suddenly now you've got the Centers for Disease Control chiming in and saying, well, it's a virus that is very common in all of the uh, monkeys in Africa. And a lot of the experts are going, what the hell is the CDC talking about here? That's, that doesn't make any sense. In fact, if that were true, if it's true what they are saying, they're claiming that they find 50% of the monkeys in Africa are contaminated with the Ebola virus or the Marburg virus strain, then that would mean that all of our caretakers in the monkey colonies would have been dying long ago. So the, the scientific world didn't buy into what the CDC told us in 67, nor what that they're actually telling us right now. They're telling us that the Ebola virus, there's, uh, it's a stupid study that they're hinging on. This is the, both the World Health Organization as well as the CDC are claiming that, oh, this is in fruit bats, it's a, uh, the Ebola virus is a common con contaminant or infectious agent that is widely spread throughout Africa in fruit bats. And we have evidence of that, they say, in fruit bats from uh, Bangladesh. And Bangladesh is in Asia. It's long ways away from Africa. And Bangladesh, they only have 4% supposedly in an assay that they did. Well, gee whiz, when you're doing an assay, there's a lot of mistakes. You have artifacts. And it's not as scientific, it's more of like pseudoscience than, than what most people would believe. But 4% could be an artifact, and it probably is in this case, where they're just lying. They're claiming that the Ebola virus, that now, now think about this, it's, this is like 2014. The, the Ebola Zaire strain that is now they've identified as being now killing over 1,000 people in Africa, in 2014, when the thing broke out in 1976, thousands of miles away in Zaire, well, gee whiz, the only explanation for that is not fruit bats. 
The only explanation for that is a pharmaceutical laboratory or biological weapons laboratory refrigerator. You need a refrigerator to be the, quote, natural source, the, the place where it's kind of like lingering, and the reservoir, they call it. And so that is uh, the most obvious common sense explanation. You have a fraud ongoing, a scientific fraud, and you have evidence tampering, especially with the evidence that's being given to the mainstream media. Yeah, let's let's talk about the media, Len. The New York Times refused to do a review on your book when it was published, and there has been a long-term cover-up around your information. Can you talk about the tie to their position then and how they're doing, how they're, their stance that's now, and then the ties between the media and the pharmaceutical complex? Sure, Jenny. Well, that's what we're witnessing right now. As a matter of fact, you know, I have to fly back from the big island where we are now to Honolulu as soon as I'm able to because – uh, we've got to do something more definitively about the suppression, the news suppression, the media, as well as uh, we have the opportunity to go to federal court. We have a lot of information. Google YouTube at the beginning of the outbreak, uh, they did something that's unbelievable. They they censored, they struck my entire YouTube channel so that literally we had uh, the, the one YouTube document that I had up that included Dr. Maurice Hilleman, the chief of the Merck Pharmaceutical Company, his own statement confirming, corroborating what I said, that he brought the AIDS virus into North America and contaminated monkeys destined for vaccine and research and development at Merck. Well, I had that up on YouTube. I had his interview where he says that up on YouTube, and it was viewed by a million people. And I had 150 other videos up that had been viewed by uh, another million or two people, and they suppressed that whole thing. And so you got to question, well, what is the connection between Google YouTube and the not only the which is mainstream media and intelligence gathering and administering on the internet and the rest of the media and the pharmaceutical industry? Well, you go back a couple of years ago, and Google YouTube was forced by a couple smart prosecutors in Rhode Island and federal prosecutors for advertising for the drug industry and actually undermining the American government and the American pharmaceutical industry by going offshore or over in Canada and advertising generic drugs at a discount. And basically, you've got Google, YouTube fined $500 million to keep their president and their CEO out of jail literally they were they paid it without without blinking 500 million dollars so you've got the pharmaceutical cartel and then when you look at Merck or you look at the advertising that's ongoing today on saying that well we're going to put a fast track on the Ebola vaccine and that's what they do and they use the public and the media to frighten uh, to frighten the people, and it's actually extortion through bioterrorism. You know, in other words, if if you taxpayers don't agree with what we're doing here, uh, and we're going to basically say you're going to die if you don't do this, if you don't give us the money, if you don't give us the uh, support to move ahead with developing a fast-track Ebola vaccine, then you could die. Well, that's extortion. 
And basically, that's what they're doing, especially when you understand that these are biological weapons and they're man-made disasters that are intended for commercial gain. So you're really dealing with a racketeering organization and organized crime and genocide, profiting off of humanity's suffering. And that's what they, the media is, is being used for. And you look at uh, Sherry Kane's work, my work previously, we, we've done a lot on exposing Goldman Sachs. Uh, another great example is, you know, you've got ABC Disney, largely shareholder, major shareholder Lloyd Blankfein, who is, was uh, the major mover and shaker in Goldman Sachs. And when you look at Goldman Sachs, you basically realize that to, to graduate, to become the United States federal government's the Treasury Department official, you've got to go through Goldman Sachs. There's no way that you're going to get into the U.S. Treasury Department as a, either a director or an underling without going through the Goldman Sachs crime gang. And so CIA, Goldman Sachs, you know, basically it's all money, 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 and the, the Wall Street main major player is J.P. Morgan Chase and, of course, ExxonMobil, Rockefellers, uh, and their babies and boys and girls at Goldman Sachs. And that's pretty much, uh, in, a, in a quick summary, who's controlling the United States economy and the U.S. Treasury. And so you look at Goldman Sachs, Lloyd Blankfein, ABC, Disney, he controls that, and he put, down, he put together the merger. And when these companies like Goldman Sachs put together the merger of ABC, Disney, they invest themselves. And they have then major shareholder uh, influence, and that's exactly how the media is wielded here in the United States. And that's exactly why when Google YouTube was shutting us down completely at the outstart of this Ebola outbreak now, and then we went to PR Newswire Service and UBM, which is a major company that puts out press releases to all of the business world, and we had a contract with them, and they refused to publish our press release. And then we went to iReach, which is a subsidiary of them, to try to get out the same press release. It was all blocked. And then we asked them, well, okay, well, what is the reason that you're blocking this? And they sent back in writing the most stupid reasons of all that you can't even imagine any idiot in any position would actually make a written statement that this is why they're censoring us. And in the process of censoring us, they're violating our First Amendment right, freedom of the press, for an illegitimate reason. Well, that's a litigation happening. But at the same time, you've got thousands of people infected and you know, hundreds dying, and people are dying, and people are being frightened, and people are being extorted to basically go along with this infectious disease vaccine agenda. And to me, Jenny, and I know it's the same for you, we're looking at gross hypocrisy. We're looking at psychopathology. I mean, you have got to be a complete demonic Idiot. I mean, obviously they're not that stupid if they're getting away with it, but basically you have got to be a psychopath, a criminal psychopath, to mass murder people for profit as they're doing with the mainstream media uh, hypnosis machine uh, and the biological weapons reflecting what the pharmaceutical industrialists want to accomplish here, which includes a depopulation uh, agenda where they want 
now instead of 7 billion people on the planet, they want us down to about 500 million. Well, I'll tell you, when I was talking to Sherry the other day, she told me that you were invited to Africa to speak to some locals. And when you started laying this all out to them, she said you were interrupted by a queen of one of the countries who said, Dr. Horowitz, we already know this. Can you touch on that side of it? Because the Africans themselves know what's going on. Yeah, they do. In fact, we, the people of the United States, have been dumbed down so so much by the propaganda. You know, it's funny. We go all around the world and we talk to a lot of people. You know, the Russians, for example, which is supposedly now America's enemies, and the Chinese are supposedly uh, Americans' enemies increasingly. And you can watch them do this by the Hollywood films that come out and the spin on the propaganda that comes out. The bad guys now are the Chinese mafia. You know, you see these things come out in the films. But the propaganda that is in different countries is different from the propaganda in the United States. It's less sophisticated in different countries so that, like, for example, the Russians, they know that everything that comes out in their media is a lot of, you know, crap. It's, it's hype. It's, it's propaganda. But the, they know that there, and they expect it there. Here in the United States, the fools, the sheeple, who are literally going to the slaughter, have no clue. They think, man, if it's on the headline news and if it's been in, you know, you know, out there in a newspaper, then it's reliable information. And they have no understanding that it is a CIA covert operation called COINTELPRO that's still operating as it was in J. Edgar Hoover's day where they were infiltrating all of the main media in the United States. And now it's even more sophisticated because you've got Google, YouTube controlling people's brains on the Internet. So at any rate, the the African situation is when I was brought there by Jermaine Jackson. Michael Jackson's brother uh, was enamored with me and my work on HIV, AIDS, and the vaccine risks. And his mother and the large Jackson family was thankful to me. So they invited me to go meet the Queen of Gabon and the King of Gabon. And the uh, princess of Gabon, who actually did the major administration of the com- of the country, and so I went there to a medical conference. The uh, Queen of Gabon is a medical doctor who put together a medical conference, and here I come with my, you know, so proudly, so, so, you know, with such passion, thinking I'm going to introduce them to this concept that AIDS and Ebola are American biological weapons. And I now get up, and there's about uh, 60 doctors from all over Africa representing the various countries of Africa there. And there's an esteemed panel of doctors that sit kind of like at the dais. They're basically controlling everything. And I get up, I give my 30-minute presentation, and I sit down and nothing i mean jenny nothing like like zero response like i thought i had just exploded a nuclear weapon in the middle of this uh, of this gathering and people are just like i didn't exist the information didn't exist and they were just going to go on to the next topic so what did i do i i raised my hand i said 
to the entire gathering. I said, you know, I, I don't quite understand the reaction to this information. Could you please explain to me why it is that there's in, obviously not even a reaction to it? And instantly the chairman of the conference responded, very digni dignified, very wise, and said, and this is a virtual quote, Dr. Horowitz, we in Africa know case for many, many years. The question becomes, what can we do about it? Thank you, Dr. Horowitz. That was it, Jenny. Oh, my gosh. That was the response. Oh, my gosh. It just makes me want to weep. And not just for them, because, of course, they're in my heart, but for the stupid, naive Americans who think that if we just send them some buckets and some chlorine bleach, that it's going to solve the problem. Well, it was worse. It gets worse, let me tell you, because when I then spent a good deal of time, I, I spent a really long time with uh, the, the princess, the person who runs the country of Gabon, and, and I suspect that it's very similar in the other African nations. They were on the take. World Health Organization was giving them a lot of money to continue the agenda, and they had half of their military infected with HIV-AIDS at the time as a protection for the family itself because they were worried about uh, the military revolts and revolutions that could happen if they didn't keep the military sick and on drugs that were being supplied by the drug industrialists and the money that was coming in. They had about $70 million, I think they were discussing at that time. Gabon, the country of Gabon, was going to be taking by, from the World Health Organization. At the same time, they had half of their military was infected, and that means that they were requiring the drugs. And basically, that's how the control is maintained in those African nations. Uh, and I was just, I, I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm a journalist. You know it. I love writing. I couldn't write for two weeks. I was so distressed and depressed when I got back from witnessing this absolute demonic psychopathology. These people, these unbelievable, I mean, you talk about selling your soul to the devil. They, these people sold it, and they were protecting it. And no matter what I wanted to do in terms of telling the truth, that truth that should set people free, they want people enslaved. Because if they set people free, suddenly they're going to lose all their wealth. And, man, that's where it's at. It is. So I'm with the Africans. What can we do to solve the problem? Well, the number one thing that we do, we rely on looking at what is necessary in terms of boosting natural immunity. And the most powerful, I mean, I, I know that you know this, and I know very few people other than us know this, but it is the Holy Spirit that does all of the healing. It does all the protecting. It does all of the saving. It is this magnificent, most loving energy that you have to tap into. And we have a product called OxySilver that resonates. I know it sounds crazy, but No, frankly, no, I've experienced it, Ron. My son was sick. He had this horrifying abdomen issue. I put some oxy silver on his stomach. Within seconds, he went, "Wow." 
It's yeah, gone. And you did it with um, prayer, right? You, oh, of you used course. It with Anytime yeah. I lay, lay hands on my children, I pray. Hallelujah. Well, that's exactly what it's designed. It's the first nutraceutical that's designed to be used with prayer because it resonates with the heart frequency energy of prayer. And, and that statement is not at all crazy. It is common sense. All you have to do right now, Jenny, I'm looking out Big Island of Hawaii, the scenery, and it is magnificently greenish yellow, chlorophyll. When you look at what we're living off of right now, and it says, talks about this in the Bible, and yet in also in Hawaii, the ancient wisdom of the kahunas, the holy persons and the healers and the, the scholars all say aloha, the aloha, the breath of life. And it talks in the Bible, it says what, that the life is carried in the blood. And if you ask what is the, being carried, that's the life in the blood, it's the life as oxygen being carried by hemoglobin, and hemoglobin is is chemically, is structurally, virtually identical to the chlorophyll that's giving us this greenish yellow color in the botanical world. That's outputting the ha, the oxygen, and so that oxygen is spinning off with, with electrons of love. The electrons are vibrating in 528 nanometers of light. You can see that that's the heart of the rainbow. You can see if it's the heart of the rainbow, it's the heart of sunshine. What is the sunshine? Sunshine is radiation coming off of electrons of hydrogen. The sun is about 100% hydrogen. So you've got now electrons beaming off of hydrogen coming through the clouds, which is water, giving us a rainbow. So the heart of the sunshine as above, so below. If it's true for the sunshine and it's true for the rainbow, the heart of those things, it's true for your heart, my heart, and God's heart. So well, Glenn, I have to tell you, um, and this is my testimony, when we first connected five years ago as activists and had a demonstration at the Denver Capitol, my first question, the first thing I said to you was, Len, why are you still alive? Because I knew with your activism that these demonic forces we've just outed would have been trying to kill you because they'd been trying to kill me and suppress my voice on the Internet for all the years that I had been blogging. And my testimony is this. I have been attacked, poisoned. My blog has been ripped down. I have been censored in a million different ways. And I am still here because of my faith in Jesus Christ. I have been healed over and over and over again by the anointing that has come from the Holy Spirit. That is my testimony. And I have been biologically poisoned with chemicals that were designed to shut up my voice. And I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I'm still talking. And so are you, Len. Would you share what's happened to you in terms of whistleblower blowback? <laughs> well, I share completely what you said, and that's exactly right. Uh, you know, Jenny, you and I are and Sherry and our friends and loved ones who are actually putting ourselves out as whistleblowers, we are blessed and we are humbled by that blessing. We do what we do because we have no other reasonable choice because we already are on borrowed time. There were so many times. I, I can tell you six stories. We'd have to spend three hours. I'd have to tell you at least six stories where I was aware that 
angels protected me that I had no reasonable explanation for surviving. There's no reasonable explanation for me to be you know, sitting here speaking with you right now. I am on borrowed time, and I have a mission, and my mission is to serve. The more humbly I serve, the better. The more wise I get, the better. The more open I am to the truth, and even though I have been, you know, in denial about things that I didn't want to see, such as the fact that, you know, I believe now that there are demonic people. Uh, I know that the people that attacked you, Dr. Truott and company, and attacked Sherry, these people are not like us. They don't pray to the same God. They don't love Yeshua. They don't have that energy of commonality and decency and civility in them. And so there is that element I didn't want to see. And I'm still growing. I'm still learning. And I'm still learning how to be the best that I could be for the Creator in service to Creator and humanity. And that's what my life and that's what my, our passion. Sherry's the same way. You're the same way. And, and the Holy Spirit is the protector is the great nurture and you know i'm just i'm thrilled with the revelations that we have and the capability that we have to facilitate the massive transfer of wealth that is stored up by the wicked for the meek and the loving in the end times which we believe that this is now things that we knew were going to get bad before they got better we still believe that there's going to be great plagues that are still going to be evolving, such as what they're doing with this Ebola thing and the national emergency capabilities that they have to control populations. This, this type of reality check, if you don't have what you have, Jenny, this complete faith, that is critical. You have to have faith in Jesus. You have to faith that we call him Yeshua. If you faith in the Creator, you then have this bond that you're not you're, you're in the world, but you're no longer of it. Well, there was can, one time when I was attacked. It felt like my internal organs were literally melting together, and I was in so much pain. And I was praying, calling out to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he gave me the option. He said, Jen, you can come home. You can die if you want. You don't have to stay. But it would please me very much if you would stay, and I will heal you in time. And then, and then he had a friend, my dear friend Greg, stopped by, and he, he said, Jen, I have a message to you from the Lord. He wants you to do it for the children. Yeah, he wants I you to stay for right. the children. And it wasn't just my own five children. It was for all the children. That's right. That's right. And so That's I stayed. Right. I, mean, I, I stayed. I lost my family. I, I honestly, I, I lost my whole family. I, I haven't spoken to my children right now for over three years. Uh, and I, I, uh, sick and sad as that is, I mean, I had to come to terms with that. But my ministry is for all the children, and it, we do what we do for all the children. So that they can be healthy and grow up and live free. That, that's what yeah. it's about for me. And for mm -hmm. these moms and dads who just want everything that's good and right. You know, I just spent the week on Twitter with these CDC whistleblower families who are out there screaming that a, a scientist named William Thompson has finally developed a conscience and decided to blow the whistle on the fact that they fudged the autism studies. And as you watch these parents who are so passionate share pictures of their kids, and talk about their own personal health stories 
you know, I become physically ill because the rage, <laughs> the rage that I feel is so yeah. overpowering. I have to go do other things. I have to go read the That's scriptures. Have I have to, to go sing. It. I have to go do something yeah. else because it's so overwhelming to wrap your yeah, head around. I totally agree. We we feel the same way. We go and take a baptism almost daily. We have to get into the water. I, I would recommend for people who don't understand the power of baptism, just go back to the first verse in the Bible. When the, when the Creator was there, the water was there. Your body is made of 80% ocean water. You know, we go into the ocean water and we commune with the Creator. It is part of us. It is the God and goddesses within us. It is that, that vehicle by which the Holy Spirit comes. And then you read Genesis 1-2. And there is, again, it corroborates what I'm saying, that the Holy Spirit of the Creator hovered over the face of the water, divided the water from the water, into which the words, let there be light, was spoken, and out popped the sun. That is what a baptism is all about you go into the ocean you merge with god and you pray that you're restored you have the words of prayer faithful prayer which is the two powerful powerful creative forces faith and prayer and you go in with the intention to illuminate that light of love within you and then it happens it happens. It's, it's just such a miracle. And without that, we would get depressed, we would get sick, we would get basically taken out. And, you know, well, in, we my, in my face, we have what are called priesthood blessings. And I felt an unusual amount of spiritual warfare over, over the weekend last weekend. And I know it was because I was going to have you on this show. And on Sunday, I literally felt like I was dying. I could not breathe. And my husband... Um, gave me a priesthood blessing with the help of his brother. They both hold the holy priesthood. And as they took their hands off my head, I took a breath and I was healed. And this, again, is my witness and my testimony that this is where we can find healing amidst all of this insanity. That's right. I agree completely, sister. That's, tell it like it is. That is the truth that shall set us free. We have about two minutes left, Len. I would like for you to share with my listeners where they can still find you on the Internet, the places that have not been pulled down, so that they can go find out for themselves. Of course, your book is available on Amazon, but go ahead and share your contact information. Okay, thank you, Jenny. Well, okay, so the store where we've got some outstanding products, we specialize in 528Love products. Oxy Silver is for the infectious diseases. You can get the uh, information on CureShop, C-U-R-E-S-H-O-P-P-E.com. That's the main store now. Uh, OxySilver.com will give you a great amount of information on OxySilver. Uh, I would say that the best educational sources for all of our work, there's the good news and there's the bad news. If you want the great news that shall set humanity free, it's about the 528 frequency. 
It is the key, in my opinion, based on the evidence. It's the key to the house of David that opens doors that no man can close and closes doors that no man can open. We're talking about spiritual portals to that powerful Holy Spirit of love that sustains us. We've just been talking about that information is on 528revolution.com. 528revolution.com. And if you want the bad news, well, go to waronwethepeople.com. Waronwethepeople.com gives us, gives uh, everybody the opportunity to see who it is that's attacking and destroying. And again, that's total demonic Satan types of attacks that we've been talking about and suppression of the media, the Co-Intel Pro, Dr. Truat and company. Uh, most recently, now we're adding uh, Paul Sulla, who is this outrageous CIA-linked attorney in um, Hawaii that's bringing on a new religion. You, how how do you like to take drugs in order to have God experience in your life? That's what this is about. Yeah. So that's paulsullafraud.com. paulsullafraud.com is a is a new addition. We spent two and a half years in court to actually restore our First Amendment right to actually publish this information. That just happened last week. We won a victory in the Th- Third Circuit Court of Hawaii and had his defamation case against us to suppress us and censor us dismissed. So, hallelujah, we won. A small victory it is, but and we have many more uh, bigger victories to achieve. But those are the websites, uh, and uh, I think that you can also go to Sherry Kane's blog. It's 